Thor Ackerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got God. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. I also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. So Jeff, go ahead and uh, tell the listeners who you are, what you do. I kind of know, but I don't want to fuck it up too much. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. You're bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I can barely remember what I do half the time anyway, so well, well, like, it's be a good like refresher. The, the, perf- <laughs> the, the perfect example is the listeners will see it in the title that you're associated with Tiny Barbarian and Tiny Barbarian DX, which yeah. is on the Nintendo Switch and all that madness. Well, there's no Wikipedia that gives you credit anywhere no. except for like on the Kickstarter or if you Google your Bandcamp right. like, page. So I'm like, that's going to be part of where my conversation is going to go. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that. But it's like, so I, I know what it what I see, okay. Okay. but that's just, you know, the guy running the Kickstarter yeah. promoting how much of a badass, talented musician you are. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I wrote the music and I did all the sound effects for Tiny Barbarian DX, which is out mm-hmm. on Steam and Switch, Yep. which is pretty awesome. That's the first Switch title I've ever written music for. Uh, but I've done a bunch of other stuff too. Like I've done mobile game soundtracks for the last like five years. I've done random, random stuff. Like I worked on monkey Island two special edition, uh, worked on, uh, the, the the old Republic star Wars MMO, just like for a little tiny split second doing, uh, they're just little short cues that you can, you know, if there's some transition happening, stingers called stingers. Yeah, like the Batman thing, yeah. 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 Uh, And I'm also a violinist. So, I mean, I studied violin in college and I did all that. But I've been doing that in video games, too. So, like, if you have sex in Mass Effect 3, you'll hear me playing. (laughs) There was a recent trailer that came out for some thing in Star Citizen. And it's like a spaceship and it's got a violin thing on it. And it was at Gamescom this year. And that's me playing on it. Oh, nice. So you're, like, part of, like, a lot of AAA titles. Yeah, kind of. But, like, you wouldn't... I'm not credited, really. <laughs> so. Well, I, I would definitely like to explore that aspect, is that 
you know, like we can't find information. Oh, yeah. And if you search my name, it comes up with some other guy who's like a Native American flute player. <laughs> well, exactly. It's like you look up Jeff Ball and it shows other people. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of like video games back in the 80s yeah. where you, your people just aren't getting credit. And if it's happening to you and you're on part of AAA titles as well as I could see on the indie ones, but like the AAA ones, like that should all be documented like a film almost. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> like IMDb type stuff. I think yeah. some of it is like I think the Mass Effect one is on there, but like there's a bunch of other ones. I mean, I also play violin on Steven Universe, the cartoon, and I'm credited wow. on that, so that's nice. Yeah, it's just like it's just, you would just think that video games is big of an industry as it is, they would get their shit together <laughs> when it comes to like crediting people because there's so many facets of everybody coming together to just to make an awesome product yeah like even mass effect 3 and stuff like that it's like it's a huge title yeah no i remember mass effect 3 i think the music it was a bunch of people that were working on it and they just hired random live people that would come in and it was kind of a clusterfuck and so when they released (laughs) the game they released the soundtrack it was kind of like oh just throw it together and then okay (laughs) so they missed out on a lot of people i think (laughs) So, so that's interesting because, you know, when people think of, like, AAA titles, you think of how, like, professional and crazy it looks. But then when you're seeing it from behind the scenes, it's like a clusterfuck of people just oh, yeah. like, oh, come on in and record. Oh, who is that guy that came in? I don't know. He won't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone would have to be, like, logging this as it's going on. Yeah. Well, and that's hi- that's history, video game history now that people yes. are going to have. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like the, the cycle of a video game development starts really small so there's maybe like 15 people that start on a project and then four years down the line if it's a triple a game they go up to like six or seven hundred that are there just for like you know six months and then they're they're done <laughs> yeah sure yeah over the long run it adds up yeah yeah how much goes into a project too <laughs> damn yeah yeah i mean jesus christ video games are so much more complicated than film just because i mean film takes a lot too don't get me wrong but uh the budget for a video game it's like creating an interactive experience is you know it's like instead of just two dimensions you're now in three dimensions of craziness you know (laughs) yeah and it's interactive media like you said so it's completely a different realm and we've talked about on the cast how that's why it's our favorite medium is because of that yeah it's it's world creating you know exactly and the budget is a big thing because you're pumping millions and millions and millions into hollywood Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of these are you know grassroots projects do it yourself oh yeah i mean tiny barbarian was a kickstarter project and it's just two maybe like two and a half people that worked on it (laughs) <laughs> That's what's crazy is I look at it and in 20, was it 2012? Was it funded? Mm-hmm. Yep. And like it made about half of what one of my books is made on Kickstarter. <laughs> yep. And the book is me. Yep. <laughs> like it's, that's mind blowing that at that budget they were able to create it. And then 
how the, but then they got really creative and were able to market it all the way to the Switch is outstanding. That's it. It's just the reason why, like, it just took a long time because we had such a small team, you know. Well, sure. And we were doing other jobs, so it's not like we could dedicate 100 percent of effort to making this game. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the club of the passion projects that we all do. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, when it came to releasing on the Switch, the only reason why that happened is because we partnered with a publisher. And uh, Nicholas, they do a whole bunch of stuff, and they've released a bunch of Switch titles. So, you know, they brought in programming power and marketing power and all this other stuff and connections to people in Japan. Like, the cover art on the game is Mm -hmm. Susumu Matsushita, who did, like, all the old stuff from like adventure island the cover and stuff oh, oh shit yeah Excellent. i did not know that <laughs> yeah uh he's pretty famous in japan and they were just like yeah we're gonna have him do your cover and you know the guy who's making the game michael stearns he's the art and the programming and all this stuff and he was freaking out because he's primarily an artist and he knows this guy and it was w- really weird to him to be like giving this guy you know, feedback on something that he was doing for him. <laughs> so, so the mind blowing thing is, is that most people making a game grew up with a Nintendo, mm-hmm. and it's a dream to have your game played on the Nintendo. Tiny Barbarian is a retro style game that oh, people yeah. can now play on Nintendo, and they use a classic Hudson artist yep. <laughs> being like, you know, like a guy who worked on Adventure Island artwork. That's yeah. like a throwback, right there. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. It was and then great. and then to put things into perspective, like Tiny Barbarian is one of the few games, and I think it's Nicolas that does it that had all the awesome like bonus items that I couldn't even close my case. That's how much shit is in yeah. the, in the. It's awesome <laughs> because like people are complaining now, oh, games don't come with manuals. Well, not only does this have like an NES style manual, mm-hmm. but it comes with, like a little keychain and madness. Oh like, yeah. Tons of sh- stuff is yeah. like awesome stickers i think <laughs> the the lead guy michael stearns he made the manual too that manual is is actually it's a throwback too oh, yeah. it's like like the love that is poured into making this like a classic game is what yeah really drew me to it. and it's it's hard as fuck too like i love it <laughs> oh yeah no people people usually forget how real stuff was back then and like the manuals told you how to play the game. If they yep. would just throw you into the game, like Zelda, the first Zelda, the f- manual in that for that game tells you how to basically get to the first dungeon. <laughs> yeah, you don't have game FAQs, you know. Yeah, and yeah, so mm-hmm. it's like it was. We were trying to do that with this game too, and it, I think people really love that first opening thing where it pops up and you're suddenly playing the game. And it's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. The guys are, they're Classic. like, basically uh, the enemies are scaling up the little mountain yep. and you can literally just beat the shit out of them until you die. And then you can press start. Yep. <laughs> and you always die. Yep. <laughs> no, I mean, part. the the game is for that is just try to see how long you can last. <laughs> it sets a precedence right mm-hmm. from the onset, you know, well, yep. and it keeps track of how how long you last too. Yeah, so that's the best part. It's like a little oh, like cool. bonus game. Yeah, exactly. Where the game got me was um, the, the actual Switch aspect. Um, is that I was playing it and I 
got to a point, and of course, spoilers for listeners, where I, you know, rescued the princess or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was on the back of the giant cat, like running. Yeah. And my daughter wanted to play Mario Kart, so I'm like, okay, so whatever. So I, you know, I pressed a little home button, let her play Mario Kart, closed out of the game, of course. Yeah. Going back, it saved it before the boss fight. Before that, so I had to fight that damn mage that was kicking my <laughs> ass for like an hour. I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I put a pause for a little bit. <laughs> This was a while ago, and I haven't played it since. I'm like, I need to get back and beat the beat the shit out of the game now because the game's fun. Oh, and there's if you haven't played episode three and four yet, it gets no. crazier. <laughs> not not just in difficulty. The difficulty. I mean, the last boss is crazy, but uh, should be yeah. But just the the story and the where where things go, you're you're you'll get a little bit mind blown by it. I think. Because it's totally it's unexpected. It's really fun. <laughs> it's just really, really well put together game. The controls are spot on. Oh, yeah. The attacks are excellent. I mean... It's really, it's just, really a passion project. It's when people talk about, like, quote-unquote retro and, you know, everything where everybody is like, everybody's doing it now. Well, this is how it should be done, taking it. And then your music sets the pace for that. It oh, sets yeah. the ambiance. Yeah. Thanks, man. I... I I mean, what I did when I was writing the soundtrack for it is I would go to like YouTube and I would watch speedruns of Mega Man and Castlevania games, like the old NES ones. And you can they'll play through the game in like 30 minutes. And so I would just do that and then I'd start writing music and I'd have this idea of just super fast gameplay in my head already. So <laughs> the music is really based on that just having crazy gameplay and fast paced action and you know kind of throwing in a little bit of 80s workout music at the same time there's nothing wrong with having a little <laughs> bit of 80s style oh, yeah. horror movie and <laughs> back goodness <Woo>. exactly <laughs> got it just imagine like the classic boom boxes oh yeah running around run around sleep sleepaway camp three <laughs> The ghetto blasters are great, man. For real. <laughs> well, and then and I was telling Kyle about one thing, which of course we have to mention is the freaking seventy six track album you released. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, that's a Damn. lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. Well, yeah, I I think that Michael Stearns at the very beginning he was like, yeah, you know, we can reuse some tracks and we can put some, you know, redo some stuff so you don't have to just write new content. And I was like, nah, I'll just write all the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I will write all of the tracks. Wow. Yeah. What do you mean for all of them? <laughs> all. <laughs> yeah. All. Terminator, yes. <laughs> so it'll be all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think it would end up being like three hours, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> you need to do like a, a multi like disc vinyl release of it. Oh like, man. Oh, How many would vinyl. it even be? It'd be like ten. <laughs> ten ten disc vinyl. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> that that needs to be on, on vinyl. Do a best of on vinyl or something like I would definitely get a vinyl the music's freaking awesome. <laughs> If you did a pressing, I'd definitely buy a copy. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is that, you know, with Nicholas and all the, the release, like, it's actually asking for it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. so many of the classic games, classic style retro games, getting the love of all the different releases. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah. 
It costs a lot to do a fucking pressing, though. You almost have to get your own <laughs> vinyl pressing machine. That's the only problem with it. I mean, if you're doing, what, three hours of vinyl, that's going to oh, be yeah. they're not super, gonna do. super expensive. Yeah. They need to, but they're not going to. Yeah, it's <laughs> no joke. I was looking up the prices, like, holy shit. It's in the thousands, you know? Oh, man, yeah. If you just want, like, even 25 or, like, 50. <laughs> so insane. Yeah. You know? I mean, some guys have done it. I've seen, like, uh, Danny Baranowski, he did that for Crypt of the Necrodancer. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was yep. a full pressing of every track in the game, but they probably just, you know, did greatest hits or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're. I mean, on one disc, you're probably going to get about maybe six or seven tracks on each side if yeah. it's really compressed. Yeah, exactly. And, and the other aspect is comparatively to, like, the older vinyl, they don't make the grooves as deep anymore with the newer pressings. Oh, like, even if you get, like, a re-released one, so, like, it's... It's just like it just seems like it's not as sturdy as they used to be. So yeah, yeah, and the the sides if it has more content, there's more surface noise too. I was I was looking into that. Oh, interesting. So it's and that's also it's the same as like a picture disc, a vinyl. It's more for display because that's going to have a shit ton of surface noise. Yeah, You're, it's going to be a <laughs> you know when it gets <laughs> quiet. <laughs> yeah, but that's the allure of vinyl, right? It is the lure. <laughs> but there's like original pressings, there's the the new pressings, and then there's picture disc vinyls. The new pressings are will never touch the original pressing quality. Yeah. Um it's just the facts. And it's the same with, you know, a picture vinyl will never touch, you know, even a reissue quality. Yeah. Yeah, the only problem with vinyl too is well, I guess it's, you know, one of the problems. It's just uh they break down over time like 40 years later all these old vinyls from the you know 60s and 70s are falling apart <laughs> mm-hmm. you mean like the actual packaging no the vinyls themselves they're warping and everything else you know someone left that out in the heat too long yeah that's yeah. what that is so there's reasoning behind it there's also like um especially when it comes to like laser discs is the actual glue that they use at the factories to oh, yeah. make them is all coming undone so those have a shelf life yeah well, the lot, big problem is a lot of these are being sold at flea markets and how long do that motherfucker sit outside i mean oh, before yeah. you know you came along <laughs> shit man maybe two years <laughs> that's why i'm glad that you know everything's kind of on spotify and all that stuff so thank god yeah <laughs> that's the thing like jeez yeah it is it's craziness so when when you were making especially for tiny barbarian yeah now obviously there's a lot of chip chip tune experience in it did you actually limit yourself to like an nes or super nintendo style where you you can only use so many channels or did you just use the experience and kind of go all out Uh, it seemed like you went all out well you know i actually did limit myself but i didn't limit myself to something that was specifically like nintendo or super nintendo uh, I kind of just made my own thing because I understand the Nintendo limitations and I understand the Super Nintendo limitations, but I wanted to mm-hmm. like I just wanted to work with what I had and kind of go between them because that's kind of what the game is. It's not really Nintendo or Super Nintendo. It's kind of this weird, you know, happy medium. Yeah, it's like a new game, but it has that throwback feel. It's now now you're just taking inspiration and making it your own and making it awesome. 
Yeah. That goes back to Hollywood. It's all just remakes and rehashed ideas at this point. Like, even the new Star Wars, you're seeing the old films echoed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the same when the Star Trek movies came out, too, the newer ones. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like, well, let's just take the characters and flip them around and tell the same story. (laughs) Yeah, they tried to, like, do a little bit of alternate reality with it, which was cool, but it was was definitely rehash style, which is kind of what hollywood does and it's it's interesting because you know you mentioned kyle mentions the new star wars is how cynical people are nowadays like you'll see people especially social media complaining about it or whatever and it's like the interesting aspect is is that with tiny barbarian dx you didn't really see the cynicalness which shows you how good the game came through because people aren't there like destroying it yeah. You know what I mean? Because if there was anything they could nitpick, they would. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah, even Double Dragon 4 has a large amount of that. Oh, Double Dragon 4 gets destroyed <laughs> still. Like, yeah. we enjoyed Double Dragon 4, and, like, people were just killing it. And it's like, well, what did you expect? It's supposed to be like the Nintendo game. It's not Neon. Neon already came out. Yeah, we did a whole episode just supporting our side. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now the 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 Switch version does have some frame frame rate issues though, because I have the Switch version too. Uh, okay. <laughs> but the one on the Steam is is legit. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think with Tiny Barbarian, we weren't really trying to recreate something super specific. It's just kind of like good. take what we remember from video games and throw them all into a game. You know. Mm-hmm. And well, exactly. Blender, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, and. There is a lot of, like, you know, inspired stuff like homage to uh, the old Donkey Kong or, you know, random stuff from different things. There's there's a bunch of influences that we threw in that people don't even realize. Like, there's some stuff that's a little bit like DuckTales and there's some stuff that's a little bit like Castlevania. Sometimes some stuff that's, you know, a little bit too much like Castlevania, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Nothing wrong with that, though. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's the favorite style, though, so it yeah. helps. My favorite shit, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of nah, like, yeah. you know, take take what we have and kind of make it a, you know, a montage of all these games shoved together, and then you got the game. <laughs> and you can tell, like, your musical influences shine through, and you can kind of feel a little bit of each of those influences in the music too oh yeah compliments it really well oh thanks yeah i mean i listen to video game music religiously so same here yep (laughs) yes we do (laughs) i'm part of the whole podcast too i always try to intersperse treats for people oh yeah you know that's awesome
if you use Winamp, there's a thing called ChipAmp or something like that. It's a plugin for Winamp, and it lets you play the original format of game music from these old consoles on Winamp. Oh, like the what is the file? There's some like file NSF or yes, NSF. Yeah, yeah, you can play that in Winamp. So nice. You can if you can you know find it on websites. There's places you can download the entire collection of NES soundtracks and just. Mm-hmm have them in Winamp and the, put it all in a playlist and hit you know shuffle and see what happens <laughs> yeah there, there's a lot of guys that are um, for the NES homebrew community that actually release an NSF album when they do their game release yeah yeah and I know the EverDrive on the NES also supports the NSF file format it's either the EverDrive or the PowerBack one of them creates it because i know on um, one of our buddies eric bishop who we talked about on the podcast before he actually has like album like dedicated to and so you can play them right in your nes oh, nice. like, albums that's it's, awesome. like crazy that's <laughs> <laughs> saturday that's a good point too because if you go on youtube you know they have the full soundtracks but a lot of times these people reverb it like crazy oh yeah it's yeah. like so much reverb that it's not the original thing anymore there's um there's a program you can download called fami tracker which is actually yeah, oh yeah. you know fami tracker uh oh yeah. i mean that was used to make all the shovel knight music yep uh and like i mess around with that a little bit but uh, and that's free, right? It is free. Yeah, you can just download it, and so I think yeah, Jake. Are we reading about that? I think Jake released all the Shovel Knight stuff as NSF format, so you can download it and like look at it, and that's pretty cool. Actually, a uh, one little known <laughs> fact was is when um, so I, you know, had Black Box Challenge released, which was part of my first Kickstarter with my first book to help get publicity. Okay. Had NES homebrew game. And Jake, actually, I talked to him about doing music for the NES game. Oh, and nice. It was way, like, we couldn't afford it. Because oh, <laughs> it was like, we had, we had no budget, <laughs> zero budget. So I'm like, I'm like, sorry, I don't want to install you or anything, but this is like a homebrew, one guy working on it, and he's already going to do the music, but if you did it, it would be legendary. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, hey, we can't afford anything. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah. He's a really good but guy. It was like... But, like, imagine the guy doing Shovel Knight actually had his music on an NES game. Yeah, for sure. Like, the same thing with, like, you getting your music on an NES game. It's just, like, yeah. playable. Like, and, and then the game, you know, actually was released, and uh, Rob Bryant from Slidog does amazing music, too. So it's, like, wow. <laughs> Super cool when stuff comes up. There's another guy named, uh, who goes by Blitz Lunar, and he's got, did you ever hear of Super Bat Puncher? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I know all about Super Bad Punch. Yeah, he did all the music for that, that stuff, and that was all in Family Tracker too. I have literally tried to get um, Tobias to release that game for I know. Like, the last five <laughs> years. I was like, dude, I will fund the production of the game. You just associate with one of my books, and we'll we'll pay for it all. It'll be out. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, that must have been some painful programming. Jeez. He doesn't even want to like think about it. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that it's, this is how he explained it to me. He said that his programming has evolved to a point that he can't just go back and complete the game. He would have to start from scratch and redo the entire thing because oh, it would be so much better, but it would be different now. Yeah. And the game is amazing as it is. 
It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so that was his thing. He's like, well, I'd rather move on to something new. And they're, they're releasing, because uh, he's working with another guy now. Okay. And they're releasing this. It was originally called Wizard Story Unknown. Uh, okay. But it's it's like you're kind of going upward now. And the game's awesome. I've played it. It's multi. I think it goes up to four-player platformer. Oh, nice. You fight these giant bosses. There's like, it looks really cool. He's announced like a little trailer for it, I think, earlier in the middle of this year. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, it's like. Really, I just wanted to get back to Super Bat Puncher. But yeah, me. I mean, <laughs> I just love the music in that game, too, because, I mean, I've known the composer for years and years and years, and we used to chat on, like, vgmusic.com. Where oh, nice. <laughs> it was just MIDI files. This is, like, back in, like, the early 2000s and late 90s, you know? <laughs> Uh, it's the classic days. Like nobody was in the gaming scene except for like Kyle and I. Like back then, <laughs> like, like floating around. It's a big thing too because like that's the only way that you can measure yourself is by looking back. Now, mm-hmm. don't look back with regret because the way that it happened was is why you are what you are currently. But um, getting better is a must, and mm-hmm. that's what's cool that you know. He's advanced so far. Oh, this goes with bias, music. Yeah. This goes with music really big because oh, yeah. when you listen to your old projects and your old stuff, you're like, man, I could have done this and this and this. And I definitely, you know, never regret it because, you know, it was a process. And if you aren't evolving, then they're probably, then you've reached a plateau. Yeah. And, the you know, there's a lot of, I've had plateaus like with guitar and stuff where, you know, you you have to practice at something like for a month or two to actually like sweet picking or shredding or you know shit like that to actually know how that works. Hammer ons, legato stuff like that. Oh yeah. So to really um, take that all in, you have to go through that process. So everything's kind of like a time capsule, like yeah. a portrait of that time. And yeah, I totally feel the same way. Like when you said time capsule, I was I was thinking that. It's this exactly the same thing. It's like a snapshot of yeah. you at that that day, you know. Yeah, and I mean, you like I listen to old music and I'll remember things like where I was when I was writing it or like what was happening in my life at that point and it's just the weirdest thing cuz I don't remember that stuff normally until I hear that music again, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it like resonates with you. Oh yeah. Yeah, like uh the girl that I've been dating for years now, she she loves the Rolling Stones, and it's like I never loved the Rolling Stones before I met her, mm-hmm. but now because yeah. of her, her essence, it's like she's her essence. It like brims off her, and that like I just love those moments we've had together with those albums. It's a nostalgia factor. Jim Morrison said this. He's like the album's only fifty percent there. Mm-hmm. The other fifty percent is you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your experience with it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That gave me goosebumps when I read that. <laughs> Is that it's so true and no one can put it in such a graceful way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well we've talked to, we've talked about it with video games too, where like um we had experiences with certain games like Haunted Halloween eighty five, which is another NES homebrew where nice. Kyle and I had this experience at a convention where we're playing it and the game was amazing. And then '86 came out, which is a sequel, and it's and it's you know technically superior in every way, but we didn't have that experience with it. Yeah, so we still kind of prefer 
85, just like I kind of prefer Battle Kid 1 over Battle Kid 2, which we're talking straight Nintendo NES homebrew. But it's it's just one of those things where you, when you have the experience with a game, it sticks out in your mind. It's the same thing with you know the music, like Kyle's talking with Rolling Stones. It's like when you have the experience with it, it like cements it in your psyche. Oh, yeah. And I kind of knew that concept when I was writing the soundtrack for Tiny Barbarian, too, because it's it's a nostalgia trip. The whole thing is a nostalgia trip. And so all you are trying to do at that point is just bring out as much nostalgia as possible. And what is that nostalgia? Like, how do you quantify it? <laughs> well, and, and the best part is, is that you can tell 100% with Tiny Barbarian that each one of you had your own unique nostalgia that you could pick out and you kind of brought it all together. Yeah. Like you're talking about the different influences and you can hear it in the music, see it in the graphics, see it in the background, see it in the pixels, the mechanics of how you play the game, just even how you scale or, you know, climb up a vine or something is, you know, unique to your nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And now we're all playing it and getting a different nostalgia with the newer game. Oh yeah. It's like it's crazy. It's mind-blowing <laughs> and the thing is it all comes cyclical. It's it's fucking nuts. Exactly. <laughs> and you can't quantify it because no. it's a feeling. Everybody has a different experience. You can't measure a feeling, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. And my experience with the game is different than Kyle's is different than especially you guys creating it. You've played oh, yeah. it a million times. Yeah. So <laughs> No, when I got the game on Switch and I was finally like, wow, I can play this game on a Switch. Like, I turned it on, I started playing in it, and I turned it off. And I was like, cool, there it is. <laughs> but you played it a billion times before <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Whereas my first experience with it was the Switch version, physical copy. Yeah. You always remember your first, right? <laughs> exactly. Because, <laughs> well, like, like, I avoid digital if I can. Yeah. And so I've missed out on a few experiences, even on the Switch right now, because like Wonder Boy, for example, came out, but I heard there's going to be a physical version, so I've been waiting. Oh, nice. <laughs> and stuff like that. So if like Tiny Barbarian was only downloadable, I may not have gotten it yet because my backlog is already thousands and thousands of games in my oh, collection. Yeah. So if it's physical, I'll jump on it. Nice. And it shows the adaptive way of our personalities because we've experienced it already. Mm -hmm. So it's already, the pathways in our brain, like, they've already been created. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it just shows why we've actually come to this point, <laughs> it, like, in time, like, as far as, you know, Earth goes. But yeah, it's it. we're super adaptive, and it, it shit just, once you've experienced it one time, it's like watching a movie, you know? So, and there's some people that don't want to watch it a second time. There's a lot of people that I know. I've seen that, but I'm kind of the person who will watch it a few more times because I see you Your pick stuff. up more things. Oh, yeah. But that shows the care of some people just don't give a shit. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's kind of like background noise to them. It, it's like music, too. Some people it's background noise, and some people it's foreground noise. Oh, for well, sure. Well, it's especially yeah. prevalent with video games nowadays is you see people, and it's literally play and drop when it comes to games like you'll see people with the newest call of duty or whatever and it's like then the next thing comes out and they're onto that and the newest they'll never speak of that call of duty game again unless it's like a really standout title right yeah which is crazy to me because when i find a cool game it goes in the the collection 
ships down the addles. Like, it is a piece of... Like, this game will be part of the top Switch games that I've played because I've had the experience with it. Yeah. Like, that's where it goes. It's not like, oh, yeah, that game was cool, all right, it's gone, I'm going to sell it and get rid of it and throw, throw it on the trash heap. Like, no, it's not how I play games. Right, It's yeah. like a disposable aspect, though, where yeah. to them that's not valuable And that's the new life. culture. That's the new culture of games. And they don't need that in their life. Like, I mean, whatever year you're living, mm-hmm. whatever you're throwing away isn't valuable at that time. The thing is, you change over time, and you might find ten years later, shit, I should have saved all that vinyl, man, I love this shit now. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but you can't, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and there's that too. Well, I think with a lot of these games too, they're online experiences, and they're playing them with other people. And so if yes. all their friends are moving to something else, they got to keep up, you know? It's not this aspect of playing the game for the sake of playing the game, it's playing with your friends. That is part of is the experience because they're not actually going outside and playing with friends. Most of the people like right. we used to back in the day, yeah. it's that that is their playing right now. And I mean, it's like one of my biggest complaints with the new Friday the Thirteenth game is that there's still no single player mode. Like I want to play, get an experience where I'm like you know the movie experience. Yeah. Where right now it's only online with friends, which is fun as shit. But it's limited. <laughs> I feel like people forget, and this is also part of the old console experience, like before the internet and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was intimate. Like you had your cartridges, you would put them in the system, and if you wanted to play a different game, you could trade out stuff, and it was like this tactile thing. And the mm-hmm. it, there was nothing on the TV that would interrupt you. It would take you out of the experience. It was like you and the TV, and that was it. And nowadays, even with the Switch, you turn it on, you plug it in, you start playing a game, and it's like, bing, you have such and such friend online, and somebody sends you a friend request. And I'm like, can you not? (laughs) I think you might be able to turn that stuff off. I haven't tried. Maybe you can't. Shit. But... (laughs) And there's like I don't think multitasking truly exists 100%, right? Well, yeah. well what it does is that pulls you out of that unique palatable experience. Yeah. So I'm not 100% anymore. I'm sitting there enjoying the background of the game getting engrossed and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, yeah, look over here. Look over here." Yeah. Yeah, so we've entered a world where everyone's trying to get your attention. You're you're getting called yeah. on from all different directions. Yeah. I mean, you got notifications going off on your phone all the time and half the time when you're watching TV, you're looking at your phone anyway and it's like Oh, yeah, it drives me that's nuts. That's the zombification almost. Yeah. It, it, it sounds kind of Jesse Ventura ish, but it, it kind of is, because you're you're you don't actually have depth in any one thing. Yeah, and yeah. then you you learn to be like shallow minded as a norm. Yeah, and digitally distracted. It's it's yeah. ADD, you know. Mm-hmm. At its best, <laughs> Kyle and I are extremely OCD, so it's <laughs> nice. like a, a weird thing for us. Yeah. but it's but I see it, and it's I I really think if we want to get really crazy about it, I think that's where for at least for Kyle and us, net neutrality, which we've seen huge in the news, oh, is going to yeah. be great because if they charge me for social media, I'm done. Kyle's <laughs> already been done with social media; he doesn't do it. I will be I'll be off Facebook if they charge me for it. I'll be off YouTube if they charge me. Yeah. For it. It'll be like, interesting. If I'm going to pay for something, I'll pay that. for Netflix and film and stuff. That's cool, but I'm not going to pay for <laughs> for the stuff that's free right now. Yeah. So that would actually be a godsend because then I could just go back to my analog existence. And <laughs> I feel like I feel like because I have a friend who's done a ton of stuff, and he's like, 
an ISP engineer on the really, really back end. And he says that they can't do that stuff really anyway. And to develop that stuff, it would cost so much money at this point. And so most of them don't even want to. <laughs> the only thing that would happen would be is somehow the internet service providers would charge YouTube, who would then have to charge us. Or they would yeah. have to charge Facebook, who would have to charge us. Exactly. And yeah. then the greed comes out. And then Trickle I'm just, down. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then I'll just go back to my Nintendo and play some Tiny Barbarian on the Switch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nintendo is almost like the little guy at this point with all that stuff, yeah. you know? <laughs> and you see that with with YouTube, with all the clickbait. It's like brutal. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's just crazy because it's like it makes me not want to use it, so then I don't. And <laughs> especially when you get into like the paranormal, it's like I used the Ouija board and this happened, and then then you have this group community bias where if you say this is bullshit, like twenty people will jump on you and be like, "No, this is real." This is the like ten year old probably. You know, real easy to trick kind of people. What'll really mm-hmm. get me in some, you know, deep water to maybe not the listeners, but other is that watching even YouTube right now, it's like say the there's a handful of guys that anytime anything switch comes out or new game thing comes out, they all review it and they review it the same damn way. Oh yeah. Nope, it's true. Literally there was this super Cade thing, this super K console. I literally saw like six videos and i know a lot of the dudes they're all good mm-hmm. guys but it's all the same damn thing it's like oh yeah this thing's cool it has arcade games on it blah 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 it's the same it's like makes me not want to watch any of them though because i'm like yeah. well you're not saying anything different and it was the same thing that i think they they probably likely all reviewed tiny barbarian when it came out too and it was like for the switch and it's like they all did the same review though and it's like okay it's retro it's this but they didn't get into any of the nuances the yeah the, the references they didn't catch any of that the tough part is that there's so many young gamers that haven't played nes games oh absolutely (laughs) and so when they review it they're like oh this game is okay you know it's got some features it doesn't really have anything new (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 pretty cool you jump around it's like yeah but you don't see the (laughs) right you're riding on the beast it's like golden axe reference oh no no none of that they don't know what that is (laughs) yeah for real (laughs) That's the definition of oversaturation, where you can get tired of anything if I throw it in your face too much. I, I think I actually saw one review that said that it was like a throwback to Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? wow. <laughs> the controls do not control at all like Donkey Kong Country, by the way. Yeah. Anybody listening who hasn't played it, it does not control like Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> by the way, looking at the Switch cover, I cannot unsee the adventure island references i know right fuck the uh the girl (laughs) on there looks exactly like the princess from adventure island exactly (laughs) and i mean the cool thing is is it's a reversible cover too so you can take it out and flip it around and the the Mm -hmm. art on the inside is by michael stearns so it's like you got both (laughs) yeah the the classic from i think it's is it the same as the kickstarter art because there's Uh, like a little mock oh yeah i mean it's all kind of the same like uh the same format and the everything everybody's kind of in the same place doing the same thing yeah i need that t-shirt that says tiny on it by the way <laughs> oh yeah i still have one it's like starting to fall apart because it's like four years old <laughs> it's awesome it's just a tiny i know just think of like booger <laughs> tiny <laughs> just some random word yeah <laughs> well it's like booger man classic on super 
<laughs> oh yeah, and Genesis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, that's all we play is old school shit anyway. So it's like I, Kyle doesn't even have a Switch, nor will he get one for at least twenty years. It's Kyle. <laughs> it's, he'll play. He'll play it with me, or he'll he'll play the Switch version or the I mean the Steam version. Yeah, like that's Kyle's style is that he just kind of exists and I tell him what to get on the newer stuff that way he doesn't have to sift through the loads and loads of craziness yeah <laughs> yeah my my buddy did give me a ps3 so i was like cool bro i'll take <laughs> care of it for you <laughs> no he said ps3 right <laughs> nice <laughs> that's the latest one i got <laughs> oh that's funny i'm in the now trust me yeah i mean <laughs> trust me trust, trust me, me instead trust of steam i i'm the same <laughs> way with i only have a up to a ps3 at this point but i've still got like I've got my Nintendo and Super Nintendo and N64 all hooked up. <laughs> it's all you need. It's yeah. all you need. <laughs> That's right. And it's I mean, it's nice to go real far back to like Intellivision and Coleco and Atari. Oh, too, man. So I got that shit as well. Yeah, you don't have any room for a PS4. Exactly. Yeah, there's no room. Shit. Especially in a condo. Like, there's a two-bedroom condo. There's no room. It's like, it's like, what are you going to do? Get rid of your Vetrix? No. <laughs> I mean, you could leave the PS4 outside or something. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it's used to prop up the, T, the CRT. It's yeah, like, there you go. <laughs> That's hilarious. Use it as a plate or something. <laughs> oh, it's, got a, it's a good paperweight. <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> keep my keep my boxes and my manuals straight. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> hey, you gotta press them down with something. Oh, we're we're all showing our age. It's great. <laughs> Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. So we also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message, um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also comment on us, shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later!